Hi, this is Nancy Earle, and welcome to Nancy's Psychic View on the High Road to Humanity. And all the way from Australia, Charles Atfield's here, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me to your show. I'm excited he's here. He's written this cool book, Self-Awareness and Meditation. This is an advanced guide for meditators, you guys. So this is going to be a really interesting show, and you're going to want to share this with your friends, with all your meditative friends. Hopefully, everybody's out there connecting right now. But um, before we get started, and I even read Charles' um, bio, I just want to say send prayers out to the people of Maui and the people... Um, you know, have been affected by the fires. It, there are still over a thousand people that are missing and it's just a really sad situation. And, you know, prayer has a lot of power because of energy. It's the energy of our thoughts and the energy of our words. And so if we take a moment and just send that vibration, that good positive vibration, just to kind of uplift their spirits, um, that would be great. I just want to briefly, I won't take a whole lot of time because we want to spend some time here with Charles, but I want to mentioned that um, President Biden did go over there yesterday, and it didn't go over really well. Uh, the headline reads, uh, Biden jokes about the hot ground while observing Ma Maui fire damage. And President Biden was joking about the hot ground, and uh, he arrived in Hawaii, said that uh, he gave a few remarks and uh, talked about his own experience with a fire and how his poor bed almost got burned and talked about his cat. But uh, the people of Maui were not very appreciative uh, of his speech and what he had to say. And God bless him, he fell asleep during the uh, presentation. So I just want to say, you know, guys, pay attention, wake up, see what's going on here, because uh, something's not right. And the other thing I want to bring up quickly is that if you pay attention to what's going on here, these fires were not accidental. And I want you to know that any of the houses, and you guys can check this out and Google it and figure it out for yourself, but all the houses who had blue roofs were not affected. All the blue cars were not affected. Anything with the color blue was not affected. So I'll let you guys research that on your own. And that's a whole show in itself, but I want you to know, uh, this is not cool. This is not kosher. And these are human beings and these are people. And um, we need to stand with our people and stand with the people at Maui. And so having said that, <laughs> I'm going to bring, I'm going to read Charles' uh, bio here. He spent most of his career as a teacher in both the UK, where he was born, and Australia. He initially taught geography and later moved on to teach students with learning disabilities. I think that's great. Charles became interested in mysticism while still in his teens. He's, his interest in meditation and Eastern philosophy grew rapidly after he visited India. So in addition to teaching uh, his teaching qualifications, he has a master's degree in uh, esotericism and a graduate diploma of counseling and diplomas in astrology. I love that. I love astrology and life coaching. So I guess the big question, first of all, do you have anything to say? Have you heard about the fires in Maui? What do you know? What are you getting over there? They're, they're on the news here, of course. It's such a big thing. Um, uh, we didn't, well, not yet anyway. They haven't heard about Biden's visit there. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's. It's a terrible thing, but it seems also to be a 
worldwide phenomenon now, possibly because of climate change. We're getting all these extremes everywhere. Um, and so rather than just the climate gradually getting warmer, there's all these little hot spots springing up where there's typhoons or you know, maybe a extremely cold or extremely warm. There's, there's all these... Um, extremes basically everywhere we get it in australia you know more and more bushfires and and yeah it's it's a problem you know what are we going to do about it well unfortunately i'm going to disagree with you on the climate change thing i think this was definitely intentional and unfortunately there is a land grab in maui and this was uh, an old part of Hawaii where people, the villagers, had lived for many years. And a lot of the elite wanted to purchase the land and they wouldn't sell. And then all of a sudden, they're completely wiped out. So I'm going to leave it at that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, you guys can figure <laughs> this one out for yourself. But. Yeah. You've written a book on meditation, and I'll just say really quickly, and I'll let you speak. You know, I've meditated um, for quite a few years now. I connect with um, the divine source. I receive messages, and it has changed my life. I will say that. So tell me your story. How did you get into it? Well, uh, I'll try and keep it brief. Like, Like you said, I was interested in mysticism from about the age of 19, I actually joined an, um, it's an American thing, the Rosicrucian Order, which oh. is based in California. Yeah. Um, so I did that for many years, you know, just the, the, the lessons that they give you and the little meditations that they give you. Um, and then when I moved to Australia, strangely enough, within like a couple, couple of months of moving here, I suddenly found out about this guru in India called Sai Baba. Okay. And at first I was sceptical, but I went to see him. And that that put me on the, let's say, the eastern path properly. Uh, and uh, so I followed that for a while, did, again, meditating, but still not seriously meditating, shall we say. You meditate, but not like this, an hour a day sort of thing. And then, um, then I came across Master Charles, who again is American. So there's a lot of links with America here. Uh, he was based in Virginia. Okay. His sanctuary there, but he also had one in Australia at the time. And that really put me more deeply into meditation because they actually try and use technology to help you, you know, soundtracks and so on. Mm. And, and uh, then about 23 years ago, I started what they called um, facilitated mentoring with him where, you know, I'd send him a report every month on how things are going on all aspects of my life and get feedback from him. Mm-hmm. Um, remembering he's a, a, an authentic spiritual master, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about eight Eight years, well, it'd be 12 years ago now because he passed away four years ago, I went into direct mentoring. So I had monthly conversations with him. And I really learned a lot from that. And so that's formed a part of what I put in the book. You know, the three chapters in the middle are based on my experiences and his interpretation of those experiences, including the dream section. Um, but in, in, in India, I also came across an Indian guy who also became a, a, an enlightened person, but not when he'd written the books afterwards. And there was a lot of psychoanalytic meditation that combined psychology 
and and meditation to understand what's happening and how meditation works along with that. So that's kind of my path. Um, and it just keeps going. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I'm going to rewind a little bit. Did you start to read the Bhagavad Gita at this point? or I would have come across it when I went to India. Okay. Yeah, when yeah. I first read it. But it would have been around that time I came across yeah. it. Well, because yeah. I just think uh, I've done some research myself. And, you know, of course, I, I grew up as a Christian, but then I have researched other things. And reading that, there is a there are so many stories, you know, that uh, have enlightened me. And I just wondered if you had delved into that at all. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I grew up in the church. Perhaps I should have mentioned that. I yeah, was that's okay. Church of England, you know, okay. till I was, you know, late teens. So I, I understand that side of it too. Yeah. Um, Bhagavad Gita is more like a story, but it's a story almost like a parable. Mm -hmm. And it's a story of, of your mind and how you have to learn to control your mind and overcome your mind and all the obstacles in your life that, that come with that. So it's kind of a message into how you can develop yourself and eventually become more of a, an aware individual, a self-aware individual and uh, live a more enlightened life. Yeah, and that's pretty much what it's about from what I've worked on myself. I think we all just need to work on ourselves on the inside. You know, we've all been so enamored with the outside and it's really about the inside. Now, you say, I wrote this down, except where I love this, except where your feet are, except that everything exactly is exactly as it is. And don't buy into the illusion that it should be other than it is. Can you expand on that? Because that really was cool. Um, yeah, it's it's based on the underlying philosophy that all is one. All right, the unit we're all part of the universe, but all one, and therefore everything is appropriate. We may judge it, we may think that it should be other than it is, but it's all part of the ongoing journey of of one or your higher self, for example. Right. And if we can get past the judgments, um, then then we can move on and the judgments of course come under all the psychological stuff yeah you know? yeah so i agree what, i always yeah. say if we could just stop judging each other and judging everything we'd be uh, cool <laughs> because yeah. that's a big part of it now you start to you say there are well you talk about the search for the self and you say there are three stages for human awareness um you want to talk about that a little bit well, that's based on Dr. Gold's um, understanding. He, he forms a fair bit of what I've, my understanding of what I put in the book. And it's kind of similar to psychoanalytical meditation. Sorry, similar to psychoanalysis. Okay. Which is Freud's psycholo psychology. But right. it goes one step further and acknowledges the existence of the self or you could call it the soul. So the three stages, the first stage is more your true self, the self you are when you're born, and then you're taking on a physical body, you you, you take on the instincts, the animal self basically, and you develop an ego, and that ego develops further so that you can be acceptable in the world. So the second stage self is the animal self. So we say in the third stage self is the you that you've developed unconsciously, of course, so that you're an acceptable person in the world. You know, you get 
praised for this and told off for this and society right. tells you to do this the church tells you to do this and so that's your enculturation and that develops a third stage self uh, which hopefully you reach a point where you can now operate in the world and be acceptable in the world and if that doesn't work very well then that's when a lot of the psychological issues come into play i agree i agree yeah now i i don't you also talk about yoga and i wanted to i wanted to ask you about this because there are different types of yoga but you talk about kundalini yoga because you said you say it prepares the mind and body um for the arousal of the kundalini but it should not be hurried i wrote that down but i don't really you know of course we all have chakras and we have, we have these energy fields but mm. i don't think people really understand what this is can you talk about a little bit the kundalini yoga and the energy that runs through mm. the chakras I, re I refer to kundalini yoga but i'm not saying people should necessarily practice it it's okay. just an awareness that exists okay. but the kundalini well within within ourselves we have what's known as a life force sometimes referred to as prana energy right, right. Uh, there's two components to that energy there's the one that keeps you alive but there's a component that supposedly resides at the base of your spine at the the base chakra or the root chakra mm. and that really stays dormant until you move on to a spiritual path once you become more focused towards where's this all going where am i heading what you know how can i return to being my spiritual self then that kundalini becomes active and it kind of takes over. It's a, it, you know, you're doing work on yourself all the time to become a, a better person and you do your meditation and so on. But the Kundalini is also there helping to transform you from within. It has an a, a, association, shall we say, with the divine feminine energy. All right. Um, it is actually the divine feminine energy within you. So it slowly transforms you from within. It act, works through the different chakras in your body. It works through the meridians. It's not just a gradual process from base to crown. It can be moving all over the place. Right. But it's a transformative energy. And it eventually, uh, assuming you reach the point of enlightenment, it's gone right up to the crown chakra and it's really linked with your source, your higher self, and that's its purpose. And we all have that, even if it's dormant at the base of our spines, and it makes you realise that the human being has a potential that each human eventually must you know, undertake. And if you believe in reincarnation, it may not necessarily be in this life. <laughs> But uh, it's it's there. That potential is there within us. <clears throat> I really, you know, I will be honest, and I want to know your feeling on this. Of course, I did not really um, get all of this until I really started meditating and bringing in that light through my crown chakra, through my body. I bring it up from the ground, and I connected. Once I connected and brought in this light, then it felt like everything balanced out. Mm. I was happier. <laughs> I was, you know, I would receive messages. I became way more psychic than I was, you know, it just was a progression. Did that happen for you too? Or how did it, do you know what I'm talking about? That didn't happen for me. No? Really. <laughs> okay. Way, no. Okay. Um, but I would say that as the Kundalini is moving up through you, there's a reciprocal energy coming down. Right. Oh. 
So you've kind of connected with that energy that's coming down. Right. All right. At the same time, the Kundalini goes up and ultimately they meet fully. Right. In the crown chakra and okay. kind of divine marriage. So okay. you're working your way up. Your soul is also working its way down, if I can say it like that. Well, I don't, okay. So let me understand this. I need to understand. And I want the audience to understand this because I, t- I tell everybody, you got to bring in the light every day because it helps. Okay. But I also bring up the light from Mother Earth. You talked about the divine feminine. So it took me a while to figure out that I had to bring it up and bring it down so that they Mm. meet. Is that what you're talking about? I guess so. In in a symbolic way, I mean, you're working with that process. Okay. Uh, Okay. I mean, I don't fully know exactly how that works. (laughs) I don't either, but I just thought, you know, I'd ask you. I'm more familiar with the Kundalini and its process, but I'm aware that, you know, we think we're we're humans with a soul, but it's really the other way around. We're a soul with a body. With a human body, right. And every step you take towards the soul, it will take 100 or more steps towards you. It needs your participation in the process. Right. But ultimately, you will become a soul in human form. If you can imagine that. And right. that's really when you're an enlightened master. Right. The now, ego has been kind of tamed and put to one side, and now you're operating as you should really be operating. What the Bhagavad Gita is kind of trying to inform you about. Right. You I remember t- Krishna is probably representative of your soul. <laughs> and okay. Archie representative of you, and they're having this conversation. I don't know if you guys are hearing this, but there's a thunderstorm happening where I'm at. So <laughs> you hear a little earth. thunder. <laughs> that's the earth's kundalini agreeing with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on here. I, okay. I wanted to, you know, let's rewind a little bit because mm. I, I don't know what I want to hear your feelings on reincarnation. You know, I'm a little nervous about this because I know we come in and we work on ourselves, right? And we're trying to elevate our soul and we do it here on earth. There's lessons to learn and that's how we do it. But when we go back, you know, I think a lot of people are like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to come back (laughs) and, you know, experience this again. But do you feel like, and I do, but I want to know what you think. Do you feel like we get to a point where, okay, we've learned all we can here and then we move on to maybe another you know, astral plane or a different planet or a different place? Um, I think there's, so I've heard 50 billion simultaneous universes. Yes. And our experience can be anywhere within that. It doesn't necessarily mean if we come back, we're going to come back to being a human form. Right. We could be, there could be another planet that is more suited. But what it's about is evolution of consciousness, all right, your consciousness within. So um, whatever is the most appropriate form for your consciousness to evolve more, it, it will take. Uh, it, it makes me smile when I hear, um, and I even Master Charles referred to it as a challenge. What if, you know, we're into all this artificial intelligence and robots and advanced technology, and what if it takes over from the human being? Would it be a more suitable vehicle for the soul? And that really gets you thinking, you know, I don't think it would be, but, you know, it's about the evolution, your evolution within 
and whatever's the most appropriate way that that can happen. Right. I don't really like the AI. Uh, I don't like the artificial intelligence. I feel like you don't either, do you? Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I've, I've done some research and I often get some really good answers to my questions on AI. You know, you could ask, you could ask on one of these you know, chat GPT, what is the Indian view of the soul as opposed to the Buddhist view of the soul? And it will write you a, a descriptive answer, you know, so it's useful in that sense. But yeah, Absolutely. how when it starts getting involved in, in, other avatars or you know what are they um drones or whatever and they start having this intelligence i don't know where that's going to go right i think my my big thing is and i'll just be honest with you we are energetic beings and we have the ability like you know to Mm. connect to a higher frequency and um i just think that I hope I didn't lose him there because I'm having a storm here, you guys. But I'm just hoping that um, people will learn to connect instead of using artificial intelligence. Are you still with? Hi, this is Nancy. You're out and I'm back here with Charles Atfield. We took a little break there because the thunderstorm was uh, was bringing us a little hail and cut off our internet, but his book is called Self-Awareness and Meditation, you guys, and this is what it looks like. Charles, when did the book come out? When did it come out? Yes. Um, Officially, it was the 28th of July, and I think in America, it was the 1st of August. And um, I'll tell you what, it's a good one. It's really interesting. You cover a lot in this Mm. book. I mean, you talk about... Um, dreams. I mean, there is so much that you cover. And we were just talking about, I was asking you what you felt about reincarnation Uh, and, you know, the souls, you know, and I love your answer because, you know, I got a little nervous because I don't want to get, I don't want to have to come back and do this again. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you could say, who is it that doesn't want to come back? (laughs) (laughs) We're back again. We're back again, but we're like, we're there we are. <laughs> okay. So I don't know where we go from here, you guys. Do you want to talk a little? Um, yeah, you, you were saying you, you don't really want to come back again, but you could have said that in your last life and the life before, but you're not aware of it. Right. And then I'm saying, who is it that doesn't want to come back? And it's the ego. And it's the ah. ego that, you know, when you think about it. Um, but really, the only life we remember, usually, is is this one. So now, and in your next life, you probably won't remember this one. So well, wait a sense, minute, wait a minute. Really I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's the ego. I just don't, this planet, I'll tell you what I feel. You're probably going to go, what? This planet is so harsh. Hmm. I'm an empath and I don't know about you, but I pick up the energy of other people and yeah. it's just so harsh and so difficult. Um, I've had uh, Raymond Keller on and he talks about Venus and the Venetians. And I kind of yeah. want to go hang out with them on the planet of love to be straight with you. <laughs> so it's, you know, I just, the harshness <laughs> is 
It's so, I know we're here to learn and I'll, I'll let you talk, say what you want to say about it, but I know we're here to learn. And, and I love that you're doing, that you're teaching people about self-awareness and meditation, because really that's what we need to learn. We need to learn about the inside of us, but um, it is difficult down here. Um, you say we're here to learn. Um and yes, that's true. What is it we're here to learn? I guess we're here to learn how to love. Um, yes, yes. But like we had a quick discussion beforehand on, on evolution. Yes. And uh, I do refer to that in the book, but I'm really referring to a different sort of evolution. And the way it works, as far as I can see, okay. is that um, we've come into this human form and let's say that's that's many lives ago, all right? But we've descended into that form. We didn't just suddenly have a human form. There was a descent from our original state down into being human forms in a material world full of diversity, a duality, and certainly not the oneness that we experienced before we came down here mm-hmm. now it's not to say there's not a part of us that's been up there all the time it's right. just this little part of us that is having this experience so as you become more and more engrossed into matter or into the human form that's the involutionary cycle it's called and you're trying to experience living in this material world and you want this possession you want that possession you want power you know you get into arguments you really getting more and more engrossed in really what you are not if you take it from the perspective that you you're really more your soul okay mm-hmm. and you, once you, you get to a point when you can't really have, you don't want that anymore it's right. not a sudden change you think there's got to be more than this right so you start the journey backwards you start the journey back towards your soul and that is the evolutionary cycle Okay. All right, and we're talking about evolution as in Charles Darwin. So, involution into matter and evolution back out of it. And that's the spiritual path until we return to being in our soul. So, then the question could, could be again. Yeah, we have, we're pausing here because the internet's shaky because of the storm that's going on. Yeah. So I say, so you could ask, why did I why did I have this experience, or why am I having this experience? And and I think the best way I can I can put it is somehow you're experiencing what you are not. All right, from a okay. soul perspective, so that you can more fully be what you are. I like that. All right. Yeah. That takes a bit of thinking. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said. I like how you put it. Well, I believe, and you talk about this a little bit in the book, um, you have to almost have something happen to what catapults you to go within. A lot of times it's a tragedy or something that really sparks you to say, wait a minute, this enough is enough. Like you even talk about hitting rock bottom before you can go back up. And to me personally, I mean, I had to do that. And then you start to search, you know, and you start to work on your inside and forget about mm-hmm. the 
side. I like what you talk about with the material stuff too, because I used to be a material girl and I like nice stuff, but I like the divine and I like being connected more than I care about the stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It so, takes yeah, time think, though. It, it, <laughs> and, and then it brings on the question, who's actually creating this experience for us? All right. You could say it's it's you could say it's the soul or the spirit or universal consciousness mm-hmm. is actually orchestrating the show. So you think that you're making all these decisions, but somehow you're being prompted because it's all part of the plan right. to experience what you really are, are not. And I'm not saying it's not real in some some sense. You're experiencing what you're not compared with that aspect of yourself so that you can more fully be that self and it's all being orchestrated from um your higher self and that's why i i kind of said um you know don't don't be judgmental be more accepting of what is it is as it is and it's all appropriate because that's looking at it from a perspective of the higher self all right yeah Do you think, and I don't want to interrupt your train of thought there, but do you feel like our plan was written and is still written? And is is that why you say, because I feel that way. I know we have free will, but again, like you mentioned, we are prompted by the universe. So our plan is written before we get here. And if we veer off the path, it feels like we're put back on our path. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I use the word prompted. You could go a, a little bit more philosophical than that and say that you are not actually doing anything. You're not creating the show. You know, you're the universal consciousness to soul is creating the show, and it's a trick of the ego to think you're doing it. Can you? Can you? No, and I and I agree with that, except that, and I want to I want to interject here because I do affirmations every day. And the reason I do affirmation is because I'm big into energy. And so Mm -hmm. I believe that the spoken word and your thoughts go out into the universe and the universe responds accordingly. And I believe that's part of it, because as you evolve, I believe the universe Mm -hmm. recognizes that evolvement, that energy. Mm -hmm shift Mm. per se Mm. does that make sense yeah and you could still say you're prompted to perform those affirmations yes because you want you need the result that comes as a result of it (laughs) so it's (laughs) kind of crazy huh yeah now how do you feel about the divine source do you believe that there is a divine source because i do but i mean i'm just asking a lot of people say source a lot of people say god a lot of people say you know universal energy or um i've had people say you know the radiant one the light Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. what do you feel about that um it's it's all terminology and the problem with some terminology is that it triggers what your enculturation or beliefs um it brings that all up so your perception of god may not be the same as my perception of god all right it reminds me of a little story there's this student with his master and he says to the master i don't believe in god 
And the master turns around and said, I don't believe in God either. And the student says, but you're the master. You're supposed to believe in God. And he says, I don't believe in the God you don't believe in. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. The ter terminology kind of gets in the way. Well, so really let's, let's change it up. Let's just say energy. I'd say universal consciousness. Ah. Because consciousness is all there is, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Even in what you see around you, it's all all con all consciousness. Mm -hmm. And you're not separate from it. You just believe you're separate from it at the moment. But it's all part of that oneness that is source or universal consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, it just appears differently from our perspective, but that's how it's meant to be for our learning experience. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I really like talking to you. I like getting your perspective. It's a little bit different than what I've gotten from other people. So it's really cool. Now, talk about the book. What prompted you to put this together? I'd say that started about 25 years ago. Okay. It wasn't just an overnight thing. And it probably started when I was doing that master's degree in esotericism, which focused on the, let's say, the spiritual or transpersonal psychology Okay, um, I had to write a thesis, as you usually do for a, a master's degree. And so I thought, well, I want to do something because I was really already fascinated in the Kundalini at that point mm -hmm. from books I'd read in India. I want to do something related to that. So I did a thesis which, done in the, which was done in the form of a book, uh, which was done as a kind of manual for counsellors who may have clients who are having experiences as a result of the kundalini. Mm -hmm. And often a kundalini experience, you know, you know, particularly in the initial stages, if you've never thought about spirituality, could be quite dramatic and appear to be like a psychosis. All right. So in fact, Carl Jung termed the phrase transitory psychosis as opposed to a uh, let's say medical psychosis mm -hmm. so that sometimes the symptoms can be very similar and uh, so i wrote uh, the, the book was kind of written for counselors how can you what what is the kundalini what does it does and how does it appear similar in some ways to mental illness so that's how it started it's, um yeah and then from then on i started adding things i came across those um material on the psychoanalytical perspective and meditation and, and dr goal who formulated this theory he was undergoing psychoanalysis because he had a really traumatic breakdown because he found his friend had hung himself in his apartment and that was what triggered his kind of journey right so he had psychoanalysis to try and you know cure himself shall we say like of, a ptsd like a like a PTSD. Sort of, yeah. yeah 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 trauma yeah uh, but then at the same time he got introduced to meditation so he became a a meditator and then he could compare the two paths as to which was the best which which was doing what and the best path to resolving those internal issues and he ultimately came to the conclusion that it was meditation was the best path but meditation that incorporated some understanding of how the mind worked mm. all right so i incorporated a lot of his stuff in the book i don't know if you saw the chapter 
it comes towards the end called The Way Forward. Yes. And it summarizes his experiences. All right. So is a um and, and Muktananda's experience, if you've heard of him too, but mainly Dr. Gold's experience. So that was that. And then of course what I learned through personal mentoring with Master Charles. And he would be giving a lot of what I've explained to you was the philosophy that he taught me, which he got a re- basically was a, an Indian philosophy, which has been around for thousands of years. Right. Uh, and if you don't know which one it was closest to, it would be Kashmir Shivism. But anyway, it's sort of, uh, so that got incorporated too, and the book just evolved and got written over a period of about a year. Yeah, it's with very- all the- It's in depth. It's in depth. Well, I want to just hit on a couple more (laughs) points before um, I let you go today. One thing you talk about is seeing lights in meditation. And um, Mm. this had happened to me when I, gosh, probably six years Mm. ago. I mean, I was meditating and then everything became purple. And now when I meditate, I see, I close my eyes and I see purple. Um, You talk about the color and the vibration vibrations and the frequencies can you expand upon that a little bit um these colors that i'm referring to there are the colors that may just flash into your mind or it may form an image but mm-hmm. in, in my case it's more just the color flashes into your mind just for a fraction of a second it might be one color it might be two colors and it was explained to me that that's what causes that is that your kundalini energy is just activating a particular chakra and you see a flash of color so -hmm. the colors we usually associate with the different chakras going from red at the base up to green at the heart and violet at the crown are the sort of colors you tend to see if there's two happening at once you, you might get you know the base which is red and the crown which is violet and it might appear more like a a reddy violet or you know maybe more of a, a purple shall we say yeah mine's so, a purple mine's a purple yeah. and it, yeah. i'll just tell you this i don't know if you can analyze yeah. <laughs> mine's purple and it expands yeah are you so is it pure purple or would yes. it be more towards the violet pure purple and it's so, like yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I would just guess that that's a connection between the base chakra and the crown chakra. Yeah. And see, I think, OK, I'll just tell you what I think. Yeah. I think like when I see the purple, then I think yeah. that's my third eye and my crown chakra mm. really connecting is what yeah. I feel. Uh, that's what yeah. I think. It could be because there's all types of blue might be different things happening. But the right. the. Um, the you know, the brow chakra or Ajna center or whatever is more of an indigo blue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So usually you might see blues and you just say, well, it's, it's, it's within the head. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can't necessarily delineate because it can, it happens so quickly and it can be combinations and interesting. so on. It's interesting. I just, I have not, I've not ever said anything to anybody about the color that I see when I meditate, but I just thought it was fascinating that you talk about, because I know color does have vibration and uh, it does carry energy. And so, and you talk about the rainbow bridge, I'll bring that up. Um, The rainbow bridge is the connection you say, or the bridge that we build between the personality and the soul. Hmm. Well, you, a human being has a personality, right? So that's the, that's a combination of the physical body, 
the emotional body and the mental body, so the physical body, the emotions and the mind. That's your personality. Right. All right. And sometimes it's referred, I think Carl Jung just referred to it as a psyche. So he's including the, the soul in there as well. So that's you as you are now. But as you're on the um, spiritual path or evolutionary path, if I would call it that, your um, the practices that you perform and the meditation that you do is is slowly bringing you more towards a realization of your true self. Mm. And so you're kind of building a bridge between your personality and your higher self and that's referred to as the rainbow bridge in in hindu philosophy it's called the antakarana so i mean it's not something we made up the name rainbow bridge but in in indian philosophy it's they've known about it for thousands of years so that's called a bridge between you and your soul and you're building it yeah it's interesting you know um how the people in or the indian the people in India are so far advanced and, you know, us over here (laughs) are just kind of starting to to get it together where, you know, they've known this stuff for a long time. Like you said, thousands of years. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's really interesting. You do talk about, I want to ask you one more thing before we get out of here today. You do a whole section on dreams. Yeah. And um, I wonder if you elaborate on why you did it and, and maybe you can share with the audience, you know, a little bit. Well, it's, it's based on, first of all, there's a normal understanding of dreams, which is just your mind going over stuff that's happened during the day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I call that the context, all right, because what you dream about is usually associated with something that's been happening in your life. Mm-hmm. But there's another aspect of the dreams which, I mean, I'd never heard of before um, going through mentoring. Uh, And that's the, what's called the, it's the mechanics of consciousness. And what it's saying is that your dreams are actually giving you an indication of where you are at that moment. All right. Not just, I'm not saying on your whole life path, but just at that moment, you know, you might've been having a difficult day and your dreams will show that you're negatively balanced you're back you know if you take negative as being more the material world and positive more the wholesome unified aspect of who you are then your dreams show you whether you're more towards the negative or more towards the positive or balanced in between all right so it kind of says that there'll be symbolism in the dream that says that you're negatively balanced you're probably clearing you're probably processing stuff Mm. and that's another aspect of meditation it brings stuff up to be cleared it's not always bliss the symbolism for the negative tends to be the female all right now i don't want you to think that it's say females are negative it's just a symbolism right if there's a lot of women in your dream you're probably negatively balanced and you're clearing and processing Mm. All right. If there's a lot of men in your dream, then it tends to be that you're more positive. You, you, you've basically reached a peak in meditation maybe the night before. You've been brought to a more unified perspective, shall we say. I mean, constantly evolving. If there's a mixture of the two, you're, you're balanced. But it's not as simple as that because you can have the divine feminine appear in your dream. 
with various symbols and archetypes and so on. You know, you can have the divine masculine appear, but so that it's all kind of explained in the book. Mm-hmm. So really, it's just saying your consciousness is just telling you where you're at at that moment in time. All right, and so you can sometimes say, "Yeah, I was feeling like that." You know, you had a great dream, and in the dream, suddenly you've got all these male figures, and you might have an authority male figure actually giving you a message, which is for you. You know, that's how how that works. Um, <clears throat> and then it suddenly it goes all wrong. It, it, it suddenly, you know, next thing you know, everything's going wrong, and. What's happened in the dream? You've been you've been shown that you've been taken to a peak experience, and with the fivefold cycle, which is also kind of explained in the book, when when you get meditate, you're taken to a peak. All right, the most you've ever been, shall we say, and after that peak, suddenly you have uh, you've evolved a little bit more on that path. You might have illumination, more awareness, and then it goes down into processing. Because to be taken to peak energetically, you're more than you've ever been. Something's got to give. <laughs> okay. Something's got to clear, and that might you might feel discomfort in the meditation. You you might you know thoughts might start to arise. What it is, it's a clearing process, and. You know, with all this stuff like the Bhagavad Gita is talking about all these problems that we have and all that, they have to be cleared. And that's what meditation does. It slowly makes you more and more pure so that you can be more aware of yourself. And the dream kind of reflects where you are at the moment. And even though it uses the context, it's important to know that everybody you see in the dream is you. All right. If your oh. best friend comes and says to you, you know, says says something to you about something, it's not them talking to you. It's an aspect of yourself reflecting back to you. So some mirroring, really, you're mirroring. Yeah, some really handsome guy says, "Hey, we should go out on a date." It's not him appearing in your dream telling you you should go out on a date. It's probably your. Your, your data that's saying this is what you would kind of like, but you know, here's a reflection back to you of yourself. That's funny. Yeah, I had a good dream about one of those guys recently. Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. I love it. Hey, I want to ask you something. It may seem like a weird question, but I don't meditate a long time. I I have a lot going on, but I do meditate every day. I get up, I have my little ritual, you know, light my candle and do my thing. Uh, What do you feel about time? I mean, I probably meditate 10, 15 minutes in the morning. How do you feel about the length of time for people to meditate? It's it's not, not uncommon. I mean, with the lifestyle that you've got, obviously, it's hard to meditate a lot. I mean, like I've re- I retired a few years ago. I've got plenty of time to meditate. Oh, okay. So it's it's the t- you know it's the experience whose time has come. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, I think to some extent, how you go about your day and your perception of things is also important. Um, you know, you have a, a degree of self awareness, even though you may not be aware of it as such, but that's just as important as sitting down and meditating. It's like saying church is not just going to the service for an hour on a Sunday. 
you know, so your whole lifestyle can be a bit of a meditation in in progress too. Mm. And I think ultimately we'll be meditating 24 hours a day regardless of what we're doing. I like that. But it, it is nice to sit down and recharge your batteries and have a meditation and in whatever way that you feel and, and, and you know, that that will help. So you're saying it's a frame of mind. I agree with that. But what I feel is, I'll just tell you what I think. <laughs> when I sit down, I have to do it. I have to sit down and say my prayers and connect and bring in my light and do all that and ground, you know, because hmm. if I don't ground, I'm like way out there. But I just feel like that is what starts my day. And then the whole day is good because I'm hmm. flowing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And I, I think everybody should do, I believe everybody should take a few minutes in the morning and do that yeah. because yeah. it changes everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's a good to get into a practice of a set time for meditation. If you have a set time and you go through the same procedure, whatever it is, whether you have a little statue or a candle or whatever, mm-hmm do that regularly it's it's creating a structure that your unconscious mind can understand so when you sit down it's it up time to meditate right and you'll get helped in the process because you've created that structure mm. and uh, I, it's an interest an interesting quote i saw which almost kind of contradicts what we've been saying, but I'll say it anyway. Okay. It says, if if you can't find 20 minutes a day to meditate, then meditate for an hour. Yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I do feel like it's really important that we do. I just, you know, I I can speak for myself, and I'm sure you can say as well, um, meditation has changed my life. Hmm. Yeah. For you as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sorry. And the the important thing is the more you do meditate, the more you evolve spiritually, the more inner power you build as a result, uh, and then the more easy it is to meditate during the day, be more wakeful. It's It's how wakeful are you to what's happening. If something happens, are you able to observe it and think, okay, well, I'm not going to react that way. I'm going to do this. That's kind of a result of meditation, building that inner power so that you can be more of a witness to what's happening to yourself during the day. Right. Instead of reactive to it. And, you know, and I can just I can say, you know, Mm. I could speak for myself that I've noticed a difference over the years. I used Mm. to be very reactive because I'm type A, but now I'm a little calmer or actually a lot calmer Mm. than I used to be. And I do. I'm exactly what you said. I think a minute and things maybe don't bother me as much because of it. Do you find that as well? Yeah, I do. It doesn't mean I never get bothered by things. Right, it, right, right. It, it, it's a gradual thing. And But do you find sometimes that people come into your presence and they say, God, you're very, you've been giving off this calm energy, you know? Well, that's the power. And Eckhart Tolle, uh, he summed it up very well with the title of his book, The Power of Now. Right. Because obviously you become more present to what's going on when you know and that's the power of now you you know it's uh the mechanics of consciousness is what you can call it and of course i got a chapter on that in the book 
<laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you, what do you want to leave us with today? Um, self-awareness and meditation. Do you have a website that people can visit? I have. Uh, it's still a, a website in, in progress, but yeah, it's uh, it's charlesatfield.com. Okay. And that's A-T-P-F-I-E-L-D, you guys. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes. And um, do you give classes or what are you doing? What, what are you doing these days now that the book is out? Are you just doing lots uh, of interviews or what's going on? I, I I kind of give classes. I'm in a what's called a lifestyle village. I don't okay. know what you call them over there. So it's more for, it's meant to be for the over 45s, you know, and you've all got a little place and you've got a clubhouse, a swimming pool and a oh, sauna cool. and you know, love all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I have a group that meets once a week. <clears throat> okay. And really what we do is I might give a few instructions or ideas or a quote at the start and we sit down we've got a special control center in and everybody's got a head puts a headset on so we're sitting down we're just meditating for 45 minutes listening to meditation music nice. that's how i with them and that's they're happy with that I, if i start trying to get too deep into like yeah. what we've been talking about now it's going to go yeah, <laughs> that's okay. But that's cool that you do that. I think that's wonderful. So, and it, I bet it's really helped them. Oh, you know, they say they sleep better at night or particularly on that night and their blood blood pressure's good. Uh, I mean, I went to the doctor, you know, a few years ago and he said, that's the best blood pressure I've seen for three months, you know. So it's got its health benefits and it helps to make you calm and... Mm-hmm. it's just generally generally healthy but that's not why i do it that to me is a side benefit why, why do you do it? it why do you do it i want to connect more with who i really am my inner self yeah <laughs> and that's the whole title of the book self-awareness and, and meditation i might just add because i'm likely to we run out of time but at the back of the book is a supplementary course all right it's a little course <laughs> And it's really, a, it summarizes in a way what's in the book. Right. So somebody might get the book and just do the course to start with and say, okay, this is what the fivefold cycle is, or this is what the Antikarana is or whatever. And then use the book as a reference material to right. what's being done. In, and that's based on a course I, I kind of gave a group many years ago, but it's been greatly added to, you know. Um, so... That And again, that was based on the philosophy of Muktananda, who he had an ashram in India, but he used to keep his library locked. And he said, look, you've got to go and experience it first before you go in the library and start reading books on it. I read that. I thought that was phenomenal. Yes. So the the people, he wouldn't let them into the library until they meditated and started to understand. And then he let them read about it. So in a, in a sense, the book is really for people that have, you know, made some effort, you know, at looking at what meditation is. Otherwise, it's a bit it's a bit deep, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't had much experience in meditation, you can still pick the book up as a beginner mm-hmm. and maybe do the course bit first, or do a bit of a time. You can't read the book and know it all. It doesn't work. It's a non-fiction book. It's got factual material in it. So you might need to go back again and again, you know, to get a 
better understanding of what the chakras are, for example. You know, you don't need to know that detail on the chakras. It's there because I put it there, but it doesn't mean you have to know. It helps to know what that they exist. Well, yeah. You don't really need to know the details of the Kundalini, but there's a chapter there, you know, because it's a, a, a kind of reference book in a way. And when you oh, do yeah. know it, oh, go and read the chapter, you know. <laughs> no, I'm with you. No, I think it's great. Well, you have to understand the chakras because there are energy centers. And like you say, we are energetic beings souls in these bodies and i like that you put in there about the kundalini because i didn't know you know you always hear about it and i've hear bits and pieces and i've read bits and pieces but i like that you um put you know some references in there about it so it was helpful as well as the dreams you know i thought that was helpful too well it has different it has different names kundalini in different societies i think um the um Chinese will refer to it as the chi energy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's prana, but the chi energy, and you know, it's got these two two aspects. So Kundalini is just the Indian term for it, and I like my Indian terms, my Sanskrit terms, and that's why there's a glossary at the back of the book, so that you can look it up. And and even the index, I put a lot of effort getting an index in there because I think well that helps as well. So I had to push for that. <laughs> Because it's all more printing for the publishers. If you right, know but I mean. you got it. <laughs> I got it there. The only thing I didn't get was colour diagrams of the chakras inside. Oh, right. I wouldn't go to colour printing, which kind of partly defeats the purpose. So you do have that on the website. There's a page with those chakra diagrams in colour. Because the book says it's got this colour, it's got this colour there and all that. Well, you can't really see it. And I also insisted that the front of the book has that, what I call the self-awareness diagram. Is that what this is? Okay. Okay. I designed that myself, the self-awareness diagram. It's highly symbolic. But it's got the colours of the chakras that are in the book. So you can have a quick glance and see see from there. You did a wonderful job. Charles, thank you. Thanks for writing it. Thanks for caring about humanity. We appreciate yeah. it. We need this right now, you know? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, anything, yeah. you want, anything you want to leave us with today? I think we've we've pretty much covered it. Uh, I would say, like I've mentioned, there's those three chapters, the mechanics of consciousness, dreams and meditation pointers are based on on my experience all right and interpretation from someone who you know the spiritual master so the dreams every dream in there has been interpreted by a spiritual master or i've interpreted it and he's agreed with my interpretation i wasn't going to just guess do any guesswork on the meaning of the dreams they've all been vetted shall we say and the meditation pointers it's understanding that uh, everybody's experience is different so what i experience may not be the same as what you experience so that's why i've called it pointers it's giving some examples giving some ideas and maybe a bit of further explanation as given to me all right and i'm not claiming to be enlightened because i'm not and therefore <laughs> well actually i don't know i think you are i and think i am yeah well why not <laughs> why not i think we are um, right. and that's why the chapter on 
Dr. Gull's experiences through to enlightenment and Ruxananda's experiences through to enlightenment are called the way forward. Mm. It's kind of saying this is how it could proceed for you. You know, it's not saying it will, but it's it's also saying it's how it could proceed for me. You know, it's I'm not you know, I can't talk about those experiences because I haven't had those experiences towards the end, you know, not not as as it's put there. So it's just giving you an idea. And let me calm people by saying they were extreme experiences. <laughs> I mean everyone's gonna have experiences like that. <laughs> but they were extreme and they just give you an idea when the ego is being I hesitate to say destroyed, it can be traumatic. Because you feel you can think you feel like you're dying. And really the ego is kind of dying. But the ego never fully dies, I point that out. It gets re-scripted. All right. The data changes. I like All that. Right? Yeah. You need some or you couldn't survive in the world. Well, yeah, I think that too. I always think that you need a little bit of ego or you wouldn't be able to function. That's right. <laughs> you just need to reprogram it. <laughs> I agree. There you go. Reprogram it. Well, we're going to get out of here for today. I'm so glad you came on and I'm so glad you wrote this book to share with us. You guys, it's Self-Awareness and Meditation in Advanced Guide for Meditators by Charles Atfield. And he's joining us from Australia today. And thanks for um, bearing with me on our storm here in Arizona. <laughs> I want everybody... Well, go ahead. My positive, my positive thoughts and energies to the people in Hawaii at the moment. <clears throat> Prayers to the people of Hawaii. God bless. We'll send out some good energy to the people of Hawaii. And um, anybody need a psychic reading, an angel reading, you can go to my website, nancyrout.com. You can also read some new messages that I've put up there from Archangel Gabriel. And I've got a new blog that you guys can check out. Just go to nancyrout.com. We're going to get out of here for today. Uh, I hope everybody has a fabulous week and God bless.